everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to What the Fuck, where we talk about topics that have caused so much damage. People don't come to church anymore. I'm the senior pastor of Music of Life Church, Appleton, and I'm joined today by the senior pastor of Music of Life Church, Kimberly, Pastor Joel Swakowski. Hello, Pastor Joel. Hello, Pastor Jonathan. Now, this is quite the journey that we're on. Sure is. I feel like I am still recovering from the last episode. Mm-hmm. And we're going forward. We are. Today's topic is God's Will Part 2, Council Meetings. Yes. Would you please give us some background on this topic and help me chill out a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Okay? So I'm a little wound up. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, me too. It was nice you and me kind of decompressed with one another at the end of the episode that we record the last episode we recorded. Yes, we, we did. We talked for another half hour or so <laughs> about the topic just to keep cuz we're kept processing it. So what I love is the episodes we're going to cover that will finish off season 5 will really round this out and help flush out what we really started bringing towards everybody in episode 10 with Jehovah's story and then episode 11 with the three plans that God has in his will. So Mm -hmm. God's will part two council meetings, big disclaimer. This episode is part two of a five part series on God's will. It took everything we've taught up to this point to be able to teach this decently and in order. And this is how you and me, Pastor Jonathan, have shown mm-hmm. God and shown ourselves and really shown the audience that we want to teach this information for the benefit of the audience. Okay. So if you haven't listened to the seasons one through four and what we've already covered in season five, we implore you to do so. Danger, danger. Stop right. this episode. If you haven't heard it, what are you doing? bad yeah. it could hurt stop it, it could even in and of its like the a big point there is there's enough information that could be hard to understand or grasp you may be hearing stuff you've never heard before in and of itself if you don't have the information that we've taught in the previous seasons it's just going to add to the confusion so i was barely hanging on myself last yeah. week which is why we needed to talk about it afterwards. Right. Which hopefully shows our listeners about the path that they should go down as well. Right. Yeah. Talk about it. Talk about this, re-listen to the episodes and here I'm going to do a, an overview. So we know God's plan. Well, we learned last, last episode, God's plan, God's goal, even God's desire, his ultimate desire. Those are all the same thing. Got it. A righteous bride for his son, for God, Jehovah himself, to fellowship with for eternity. God's will is the manner in which he accomplishes this plan. Yes. So how does this plan come about? How does God 
accomplish his goal? How does this plan work? So notice God's will and God's plan are not the same thing. Even though the short answer for both is church and marriage. Yes. <laughs> so so this is what God's goal, God's plan. Eternal church married to his son, right? A righteous bride. That's, that righteous yeah, bride is the church. Church heavenly and marriage. Father, heavenly Father's desire. That's his desire. Right. Yep. Dad's desire. Yep. Is a church married to his son. Yes. That's the goal. God's Correct. will. How does he accomplish that goal? Jehovah works through spiritual value accumulated by the vessels that make up church and marriage. Like us. Right. So he has this end goal. Right now we're engaged to Jesus, right? The end goal is this wedding supper of the lamb. This finally, this, this woman, this church, and Jesus tie the knot, right? Yep. How do I do that? says God. I do it through the people that make up church and marriages in the world right now. And will continue to do so for eternity. Mm -hmm. So God's will happens in response to justice. Again, earlier seasons, earlier episodes, six-part series on God's nature covered a lot of this. God moves in response to justice. We're either helping Jehovah by, by being vessels for him to work through, or we're helping him by giving him just value in response to our disobedience. So it's a, it's a, it's a, a speed thing. So it's, it's how fast do we want this to happen in a, in a sense? Yeah. Yeah. We're the ones that are delaying God, but even those of us who delay him, there's value within that that God can use. It's essentially, do you want to be part of God's plan intentionally? Or do you want to be, do you want his plan to happen in spite of you? You're going to be, play a role in it one way or the other. Oh, you get man. to decide your role. That We covered that in the Jehovah story a lot, right? This is just so good. This is so good to hear. Like, yeah, this makes so much more sense now. This the second time we're talking about it, right? It's there, it's really yeah. clearing up. Yeah, totally. Now, this is really in part one. What we saw is that God works through individuals, groups, and then ultimately again through church and marriage, in order to in order to accomplish His ultimate plan again of a righteous bride for His Son. For Jehovah himself to fellowship with for eternity. So that's the background, little recap of part one. And again, just a reminder of the difference between God's plan and God's will. Yes. Yeah, it's coming together, oh, right? I'm, okay. I'm so, yes, I'm so much more relaxed. What a yeah. great recap. Thank you, Pastor Joel. You're welcome. So I'm thinking about this movie or this TV show that I just watched. I think it's called Moonlight. And okay, it's about yep. a it's about a Marvel character. All right. Yep. Well, all these Marvel, all of these Marvel characters in that realm, there's all of these gods, quote, these yeah. gods that that they serve. And the gods can't make things physically happen unless it's through these right. superhero or these, not these, 
these regular people, Very human vessels that they yes. work through. Yeah. And I was sitting there watching this and going, I, this is like a similar view into this concept. I'm not saying there's flaws in the in the Marvel universe. Yeah. We're, yes. Just this one aspect, though, you're saying. That's yeah. all I'm saying. God works through tangible, physical people. That's yes. how the value is accumulated. Right. Either by going against or being for him. That's how this is accumulated and how these things work. I think it's called um, Moon Knight. Oh, Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Yeah, but you're right. So that that does it does do a good job. We're not talking the legitimacy or validity or the doctrine of these other gods, but the aspect within that TV show where these gods were limited in accomplishing their plans by yes. having to work through human beings. Correct. Jehovah is limited by us. We do limit him. Nice. The Bible talks about us hindering and frustrating grace which we know is literally us human beings setting aside and putting roadblocks up to the inward flow of the Holy spirit. Yes. Also, yeah. what are you doing? Listening, listening to this podcast right now, person who hasn't listened to previous episodes. Yeah. Please, again, <laughs> why, 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 why are you doing, why are you doing this? Wait, Yes, person who still didn't take our disclaimer seriously. Oh, I'll give you another disclaimer. Why? Are, why? Why would yeah. you? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, stop. No, I'm serious though. It's not a joke. It's. It's not. It's We're not looking out for you. you, really. It is yeah. just, yeah, for your benefit. Okay, so there's your there's another warning. Yeah. Okay, we do care about you. We don't want you to get hurt. Yeah. So go. Okay. Let's go forward. That's yeah. so fun. <laughs> I'll do that when, when I feel, okay, we're, but let, I want to go forward. So how have people been hurt by this in the church? Essentially what we're talking about is people being hurt and then disunity happens. So yeah. how has this topic of, of council meetings caused disunity? Yeah, well, we see a lot of this comes down to how God accomplishes his goal, right? God's will, God's plan. And Really, the big conflict or a big division within the church is either God just makes everything happen, which is contradictory, or the other side is really, you know, there's no point in even talking about it because it can't be understood anyways. So really, the, the churches seems to be pitted against each other on those two perspectives. So a major conflict, a major disunifying um, issue here. But today, what we're going to do is look at the aspect of God's will, these council meetings that will show us literally, literally how hmm. God makes his decisions. Oh, yes. Oh, that's it. That's spectacular. Well, that's really exciting. So what does this conflict look like in the church? Okay, so we have a loose side. We have a strict side. Let's start with the strict side. How does the strict side respond? Well, this side believes God just unilaterally makes things happen. So that sure. side of it. We can look at this like it's just A to B, one step by himself yep. without any input. Now, what that does, that belief in that that's how God makes decisions, gives the strict side the rationaliza 
the rationalization to do this themselves. So the religious authorities exercise that authority by just doing what they believe is right, regardless of what anyone else says. And what this ends up looking like is this side, the strict side measuring maturity by a mentality of not needing help. Oh, yeah. If I need help, I'm less mature than if I grew to the point where I wouldn't need to reach out for help anymore. So that's what that kind of summarizes what the strict side is. And it is stems from a belief that God is just making decisions by himself without any input. Wow. Okay. So if he unilaterally makes his will happen and he is the most mature being or the infinitely the most mature, then we need to strive to get to a place where we don't, we unilaterally make our will. Yeah. To be like God is to be like that. Yeah. Yep. If we're made in his image, we ought to be becoming. That's what we should strive for, right? How does someone with that perspective support it with the Bible? I would use the creation story. Okay. Genesis chapter one. Yeah. Okay. And I would use, especially days one through six, to show that God merely speaks and creation is the result. Nice. Yeah. Let there be, I'm going to divide, let there be, let there be, let there be bang, 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 bang. Okay. Let there be, then there was, let there be, then there was. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. That's, it seems quite unilateral. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So how would you handle an interaction with someone who held that perspective? Well, I'd bring up two points. One, I would ask, well, how do you explain verse two, which shows the Holy Spirit was involved in creation where it said, and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So there you have another being in addition to God, the father. And then even verse 28 and God said, let us make man in our image. So I would just, I would bring up those two verses and I would ask them, well, how do you explain if God's just unilaterally making decisions by himself? How, what, what's your explanation behind these two verses? Then another big one, and this is really, I think, the the ultimate question to ask here is, what does it mean that God rested on the seventh day? Mm -hmm. Because we know what we believe and what we believe God is doing here on the seventh day is God acted as a first cause during the first six days of creation. And then he ceased from the occupation of being a first cause which is the definition of rest Mm -hmm. ceasing from the occupation of being a first cause. Mm -hmm. And ever since God only responds to everything through justice. So that's why that question, what does it mean that God rested on the seventh day is so big because God was interacting with the world. You could say, differently in those first six days of creation than he has ever since. Excellent. So to summarize before we hit the loose perspective and go on, essentially what we're saying is on the strict side, they believe that God unilaterally makes his will happen. 
So these decisions that he makes and what he does is by himself. Yeah. He's God. And they would probably take that verse, you know, let us make man in our image to say it's just God. It's God. Maybe it's all three parts, but it's still God. He's still unilaterally. They're all three in one making his will unilaterally happen A to B. And he doesn't need any input from anyone else. So God is continuing to act as a first cause. Yeah, sure. He said he said he rested, but it doesn't mean that he's ceasing from the occupation of a first cause. He can still do it. He still does it. Yeah, I mean, resting just means chilling out, right? You're like relaxing. Bingo. Okay. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and take a call. And we got a call from... Crawley, Louisiana. So this must be Pastor Rich. Hey, Pastor Rich, you're on the line. Oh, yeah. Hello, Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Joel. Pastor Rich here. How y'all doing? You know, I was raised to believe God had already predetermined everything and we didn't have a free will. However, everything that happened in Crawley has shown me people have a free will and that I do need input from others. So Thank y'all for y'all's wisdoms. Really appreciate it. Oh my gosh, it was an absolute pleasure. You're welcome, Pastor Rich. What did you end up deciding? Well, shutting down the church. Oh, why? Well, I, I realized it was wrong to create a church without being an apostle, so... I actually confessed and repented to everybody. Uh, we're going to liquidate everything and give it to charity. I should have everything wrapped up by the time my dad comes. Well, what are your plans with Pastor Tater? Well, we, we haven't decided anything yet. Uh, he just just wanted to be here for me, which is nice. And uh, even though my dad may not say it, I know this is his favorite podcast. God bless you both. Thank you for the call, Pastor Rich. Wow. Uh, quite the decision uh, he made. But did you notice he kind of sounded relieved? Yeah, I would, I would agree. He sounded, he sounded pretty good. You know, if a pastor believes God has decided everything ahead of time, then that pastor should never get upset with any failures. Oh. However, deep down, everyone really does know we all have a free will. And that is not more clearly manifested when we judge others mm-hmm. as if they do have a free will. So what is the other side of the argument? Let's talk about the loose perspective, Pastor Joel. Remember, this side believes we can't understand God's will. Mm -hmm. So there's no way we can understand how God makes his decisions. And even if something is a failure, well, it probably really isn't. (laughs) And how have people been hurt by that perspective? Well, we've already seen from the strict side that pastors intuitively follow the model that they have for how they think God makes his decisions. The people on this side don't believe there is an explainable process for how to make decisions. And they essentially believe everyone ought to do whatever they want. Clearly, 
this is going to and has resulted in people making worse decisions. That definitely sounds like a loose perspective. Yeah, yeah. So what would you say and how would you handle someone who had this belief? Simple, I'd ask this one question. Why do you get mad at the decisions that other people have made? Okay, can you ex- can you explain that? Why, why would you If there is no explainable process for how to make decisions and we can't understand how God makes his decisions, then I can't hold other people to making poor decisions. Hmm. I can't hold them to that standard, hmm. which then would be contradictory if I ever got upset at somebody for making a bad decision. You can't understand it. That's all that person would have to say in response to me, getting mad at them. It's like, wait a minute. I thought I could, I thought we, we weren't able to understand how to make a good decision. Mm. Oh, so if it, so what you're saying is if you could understand, if you couldn't understand then people shouldn't actually get mad, but they're getting mad because people understand better. Like you should know better than what to to do what it is that you're doing. Because even the even what they say that, well, there's not an explainable process for how to make decisions, even though they may say that deep down, everybody knows we are responsible. We have a free will. We are responsible for the decisions we make. Mm. And that's no clearer than when we get upset at people for making bad decisions. Amazing. When you see this going on in the church, the loose side, the strict side, what are your thoughts? My thoughts get categorized into three groups. There's a group of people that I feel sorry for. These are people who don't think there is a way to make the right decision. So they continue to make their own lives and really the lives of others worse. There's the group that I understand why they do what they do. Now, people know that being illogical is destructive. So they think the only answer is to try to be as logical as possible. That's what this group tends to do. I understand these people who are just trying to be logical because they know the contrast is to be illogical, which is destructive. Yet these people tend to, in an effort to be as logical as possible, make the decisions of their life, whatever decisions they're making completely by themselves. Then there's the people I'm impressed with. These are people who realize that those who think they have to be the source of the solutions to their problems are the same as teenagers. Hmm. So they know they need input in their decision-making process. Even if they don't know specifically how that ought to work, the people I'm impressed with are ones who do know I shouldn't be making decisions alone. Nice. So now it comes to my favorite part. What is the ultimate answer? The ultimate answer is council meetings. God makes decisions through council meetings. Council meetings? What's a council meeting? Well, First off, I'll say this. This follows what we saw with the wise man and leader episode all the way back in season one. So Ooh. You know, listen to that if you 
Well, I'm going to assume the listener who's made it this far of course. has already heard it. Of course. Right? Absolutely. So fortunately, we have an amazing and detailed example from the Bible of God carrying out his will, and it involved a council meeting. I'm going to go through it with you. First Kings chapter 22, verses 19 through 23, involved the prophet Micaiah. Micaiah had been given a prophetic glimpse in, into the heavenly drama behind the events that I'm about to share with you all. <laughs> yeah. So verse 19, then Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. So what's going on here? This is a council meeting. The host of heaven is spiritual beings that are on Jehovah's council. A lot of times people are picturing angels. Yeah. Spiritual beings that make up his host. The word host comes from a word often translated as army. However, that word is also used to mean service and to serve at the sacred tent. Mm -hmm. So this is more like a war council in a war room. I like to think of a council meeting like King Arthur and his knights of the round table. That's a, that is a, a great picture. It's a big king and a big table. Right. And you think Jehovah's on his throne. Yep. And there's people on his left hand and on his right. Mm -hmm. Like you would see King Arthur with his knights surrounding the table with him. Yeah, totally. Man. So Jehovah has called his council into a meeting. That's what's happening so far. Verse 20. And the Lord said, who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? What's happening here? Jehovah presented an agenda item. <laughs> I called the council. Here's the agenda item. Oh, man. It's so cool. time. Yeah, I know. Isn't it? Yeah. This is one of the this is a, a one of my favorite Bible Bible passages ever now. Yeah, man. And it's rarely taught. I've I've rarely seen it taught. Not the way we're teaching it, anyways. No, yeah. But essentially, Jehovah brings the agenda item to his council. It's time for Ahab to die. Sure. Ahab needs to be convinced to go to Ramoth Gilead. And essentially the question is. How should we do this? Now, the part of the story we're not going to focus on is Ahab and, you know, his whole arc. Go ahead and read about him and Jezebel, and you'll see pretty quickly why Jehovah would have had the justice to get this guy to be dead. But how many friends do you know that, that are that are named Ahab? I don't know many. I don't know many How, Ahabs. What about Jezebels? Do you know any? Do you know any people named Jezebel? No, I don't. Okay, awesome. I honestly, if somebody named their kid Ahab or Jezebel, my first thought would be like, "What were they thinking?" <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like you are trying to give your kids a 
hard life. Right. So we're going to focus on the council meeting, the, the decision-making process, not necessarily the specifics of Ahab. But this is not the only time. Another thing, this is not the only time Jehovah discusses a plan before making a decision. This isn't a unique situation that Jehovah handled differently than on other situations. Amos 3.7 even says, Surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Oh, man. So back to the council meeting. Still in verse 20. It says, So one spoke in this manner, and another spoke in that manner. Whoa, whoa, what's going on here? How are we going to kill Ahab? Drop a rock on him? Push him on a push him off a cliff? Set him on fire? Whoa, 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 again, Joel. Not how are you going to kill him? Ahab needs to be persuaded to go to Ramoth Gilead so he would fall there in battle. So a key thing, let's not add to the agenda. <laughs> nice. Right. It was how so, to get him to go to this place, not how are yep. we going to kill him. We don't need to worry about killing him. He's going to be going. We need to just get him to the place where there is a battle. Okay. That's the first step. That's the agenda item. So humans, let's not add to the questions and to the agendas that Jehovah is bringing to us. Oh, man. There's a lesson. So what's really going on here? It says, some so one spoke in this manner, another spoke in this manner, is really the host, the spiritual beings discussing what are the options and how we can convince Ahab to go. The implications of this part of verse 20 is Jehovah's counsel is safe. Wow. It's a brainstorming session. Oh, Bring yeah. all your ideas. Wow. And really, it's like an improv skit or multiple improv skits. We're bringing all these scenarios to the council, to the leader of the council, to help him form the decision that he wants to make. That's what the council is doing. Man. That's why I say, when I say we are doing this, in this story, the council is doing that with Jehovah. Man. It's really an opportunity for everybody in the council to grow. And we need to grow up to Jehovah. Yeah. We don't pull him down to unrighteousness and injustice. No, 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 no. Verse 21. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. Wait, who's the spirit? Oh, yeah. Again, there are spiritual beings in the spiritual realm, in the heavenly places. This spirit here is on Jehovah's council, sharing his ideas, his strategies with Jehovah and the other council members. Verse 22, the Lord said to him, in what way? I love this. What a great response. The one guy's like, I'll persuade him. Like you see the guy raised in his hand. I'll persuade him. Yep. And Jehovah's like, yeah, what are you going to do? Again, such a safe environment to share. Here's the improv. It's like, agree and move forward. And maybe, yeah, because maybe there was a bunch of people that did this, right? Right. 
So there could this person said this, that person said that. Maybe yeah. other people came forward. Maybe you know there was but, probably yeah. a lot of a lot of the people on the host on this council saying, "I'll do it. I'll do it. I could do it. I have an idea." We just have captured the one because we'll see. Oh, this man. is the idea that eventually gets chosen. But Jehovah says great response. Again, such a safe environment that Jehovah has created for people to share. How many ideas weren't chosen? And it was still safe for them to bring those ideas to God. Wow. Do we treat each other that way? Oh, man. <laughs> so the spirit says, still in verse 22, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. Whoa. What a strange and unorthodox plan. Jehovah would never let this slide, would he? I mean, this guy says, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of Ahab's prophets to convince, essentially, I'll lie to Ahab to trick him into going to Ramoth Gilead. Jehovah would never let this, would he? Well, continuing verse 22, and the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. In Joel's terms, yeah. That'll work. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. So, okay, again, we know God moves for, against, or not at all in response to justice. If you really want to look at the Ahab story, we can definitely assume, and there's a lot of objective proof, proof in the scriptures, that God had, Jehovah had all the value he needed to make this happen. Oh, yeah. Ahab. How he made it happen, though. Right. Is through a council meeting. The specific way he did this plan was through a council meeting. Hmm. The decision was his to own, but the idea he picked wasn't his. Well, wait a minute. I thought the measure of maturity was that you come up with ideas to solving problems on your own. Jehovah doesn't even do that. He owns the decision. But it wasn't his idea. Because you look in verse 23. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. Jeho it says Jehovah put the lying spirit. Why? Because Jehovah is the leader of his council. He's responsible. He makes the decision. Yet it wasn't his idea. He got the idea from some someone on his council. So just those five, what, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, five verses. There's so much subtext here. There's so much meaning and depth to these verses, but it does show what we just went through as a council meeting. Wow. So here's some council, council meeting basics for you. A council meeting has a leader. They're responsible for any decision that would be made. The leader puts out an objective or an agenda to the council. The council gives their thoughts, all their thoughts, good and bad. The goal is to get all the thoughts out, all the ideas out. When see a council is an assembly of persons summoned or convened for consultation, for deliberation, for advice. Now, once all the thoughts and ideas are out, which might take more than one meeting, 
Then the leader endorses an idea and makes makes sure that idea happens. Now let's go all the way back to the strict side, biblical defense. We can even see that creation was a council meeting. Let us make man in our image. Jehovah's having a council meeting, even during creation. We can see the transfiguration of Christ as a council meeting. What's going on in that conversation with Jesus, Moses, and Elijah? There's a council meeting. Many of the interactions Jesus had with the disciples, especially his core group, you can see these council meetings. What's more convicting to me is even Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar and all these other heathen, non-Christian, non-Jewish kingdoms and kings ran their kingdoms through council meetings. Yes, even these heathen kings knew that they needed a way to see the perspectives that they weren't seeing. You see these Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar call all their wise men when they have some big decision to make. They're calling a council meeting. They knew, these heathen kings knew that they had biases within themselves that needed to be defeated in order to make a good decision. And they sought counsel to hear the opposite perspectives of what they already held. Now, if you look at the problem, any problem from the right angle, the solution becomes obvious. The answer is there. The hard part is coming at it from the right perspective. So what do we need? Humility and contrastive thinking which a big way that that is facilitated is by having other people speaking into our lives. Now, remember, God's plan is to hang out with us for eternity, interacting. Jehovah isn't focused on getting the perfect answer. He is interested in interacting with us in a manner that grows us closer to his level. Hmm. Anyone who focuses on the what, the appearance, getting the perfect answer in one step, and making the effects perfect is hindering God's plan and is proving they don't understand God's will or how he accomplishes his plan. Now, another reminder, going back to the beginning of the episode, God's plan is to hang out with the righteous bride for eternity. God's will is the manner in which he accomplishes his plan. So can you see how council meetings are in the God's will category and not in the God's plan category? Yes, absolutely. Because it's a, it's a, how it's a method. It's a, it's how, how this occurs. It's not a desire. It's an actual, you know, a strategy and accomplishing of a strategy and a process. Right. Yeah. Council meetings are literally how God makes the decisions needed to accomplish his plan. Yeah, the process, yeah. the how right. for accomplishing. Mm-hmm. His the manner desire. in which. Yep. Yes. Tips for applying this topic. One, listen to the wise man and leader episode. Even if you have, listen to him again. And the, also the kings in retirement episode. Nice. And you'll see the danger of trying to be both the leader and the wisest person. Or essentially not ha- being making decisions unilaterally on yourself by yourself. Remember, teenagers think that they have to make the decision and be the source of the solution. So every time we do that, 
we are acting like teenagers. Here's another tip, really in the form of a question. When you have an idea, do you get counsel before making progress in that idea? What would be the reason you wouldn't? Likely, you had a plan that you wanted to do, that you knew it was wrong, and you didn't share it because you knew if you did, it could possibly hinder from getting what you from getting what you want. So how do you accomplish a, pro, a project alone or with a team? We saw not even Jehovah, the creator of all, does a project alone. Thank you, Pastor Joel. This has been What the Flock. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.